0: This is Grown Up with Kids, the parenting and marriage podcast that gives a weekly dose of encouragement, wisdom, and humor for people trying their best to live, love, and laugh more with their families. Thanks for joining us.
1: Hey, hey. Today we give a shot of encouragement to break generational cycles to become a better parent. We bear our deepest darkest sins and David talks about the original color of leprechauns. <laughs> gosh, I love how far away from the mic you have to be in order to make that sound decent.
0: <laughs> <I think> decent <laughs> might be too generous.
1: <laughs> I agree. I think it's something we're stuck in now. It's like your thing. Can't change it. What are you going to do? <laughs> how are you?
0: Uh, did I ever tell you in college I led games for some club and... Um, I got up there the first time and just accidentally said, yeah, yeah, woo-woo. <laughs> and everyone in the crowd just went, yeah, yeah, woo-woo, back at me. And then I had to do it every week. It was your
1: thing. It was awesome.
0: Oh, my <laughs> It was really fun, actually. What
1: made you say that in the first place? I was
0: so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was so It's probably
1: scared. because you knew that you're um, – didn't you have a skit called Licky Jones or something?
0: That was later. That was much later. Oh, but, so you were
1: more yeah. confident to become Licky Jones?
0: I was not. Oh, I was Licky Jones. Yeah, that's a story I don't want to tell.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> just because it's so dumb. Well, let's just say that you were in a there skit were, and you had to lick people.
0: There were five <laughs> brothers or cousins, and each of them only had one sense.
1: And you were licking. And their
0: last names were Jones. So it's like Licky <laughs> Jones and Smelling Jones and <laughs> Talking Jones, who just yelled because he couldn't hear.
1: Uh, <laughs> and so
0: you, oh. Yeah, and Hearing Jones, I guess. So that's,
1: that's the most boring of them all. I mean, what do you do to make that yeah. funny?
0: Uh, you don't. Well, none of us were funny. <laughs> it turned out. It Turns was a bomb. out.
1: Turns out, it flopped. Yeah.
0: All right, Rach, What's your word of the week?
1: Word of the week, I would say, wonderful. I've had a good week. Um. <laughs> so convincing. <laughs> I mean, when you're a mom, it's like hit or miss. Like, it's always a mixed bag. There's never a week that you're totally like, yeah, I was relaxed, it was awesome the whole time.
0: No, I feel like when we wrote this, these notes, you were kind of in a good place. And not <laughs> that you're in a bad place right now, yeah. but it's like it was like a fleeting moment of, oh, wonder.
1: Yeah, I did feel wonderful. It occurred to me that um, I had a friend in college who, who, who said, you are wonderful. And sort of in like a dreamy way. And he was like, 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 full of wonder. And I thought, I was like, ooh, that's romantic. But I also thought, that's really smart. Did you kiss him? Smart. No, no, no. He actually didn't even like me. He liked my roommate. And uh, he called her wonderful, too. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, it was just a move, huh? She was full
1: of wonder, also. <laughs> Apparently, we were both wonder together. Anyway, uh, no, and I don't think either of us kissed him. But. It occurs to me that the the word wonderful came to me this week because I do think we are full of wonder. We've got some cool stuff going on in our life right now with pursuing foster care potentially, um, thinking about logistically where we would put children, and so thinking about potentially renovating our house, thinking about um, neighbor kids. Uh, we have kids hanging out at our house pretty frequently, and that's really fun. So it's kind of a circus, but it's also really wonderful. Like, it's been really fun, and I'm really full of gratitude, I think, more than anything.
0: Yeah. What um, makes you grateful?
1: Oh, man. I just think a loud house, and this is not for everyone. I think it's a special thing that I like. A
0: hard 20 after a hard day. <laughs> it's not for everybody, Rachel.
1: <laughs> yeah. Keep I'm, going. Peloton, man. Me and Peloton are real good friends right now like, that's how I'm feeling more wonderful, more, more gratitude. But I think that, um, I think what I really like about that is the, uh, the noise and the chaos. I know it's not going to last forever. I think at some point you and I will be old and our house will be very quiet and, and, uh, I'll miss this. And so I'm trying to savor it. Um, but I'm just kind of made for chaos. Like I, I like the energy. I like what kids bring into a story, um, Enjoy seeing who they become throughout a year. So I like a lot of kids around. Yeah,
0: it's fun. It's been really fun. And now that the weather's going to get nice there, I think it'll be even more fun. Kids playing in the backyard.
1: Yes, totally. Ruining our trampoline. I mean. Why not? Why not?
0: That's why we got it, maybe? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it's fun. What about you? What's your word of the week?
0: Uh, My word is enough, uh, which I think is a word that we don't hear or internalize often enough didn't mean for that to you can't use a, you can't use a word in its own de- definition um so i was listening to an interview of john eldridge some people might remember he wrote uh, wild at heart back in the 90s probably yeah he's written like a bunch of books apparently but so he has a new app based off a book or connected to a book he wrote um recently and it's essentially a meditation app um but I think it's his voice on there. And so it's like this idea that you take a one minute or three minute pause throughout your day and you can choose when you want to do it. Um, I think it's called the one minute app, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, One minute pause, actually. Um, So anyway, but at the end of it, no matter whether it's one minute or three minute, um, he says, uh, that's good. That's enough for now. And that f- that those two sentences have just kind of stuck with me that so rarely in my life do I allow myself to say that to me or do I really feel like other people are saying, that's good, that's enough for now. Mm-hmm. I think we always feel like there's more work to do, there are more things to do for our kids, there's more laundry, there's more what have you. There's m- m- yeah, and we probably all feel like we're not enough or we didn't do enough. And Mm -hmm. just this idea that we can stop, it's kind of a Sabbath concept, right? You can rest because that's enough. That's good for now. Like there's always tomorrow Mm -hmm. and there's always the next moment um, or the next day or the next project to go to. But take a moment and rest in what you've done. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to kind of embrace that idea. That's good. That's enough for now.
1: Yeah. Man, I think that's a really good thought. I did try that app um, per your suggestion this past week. Yeah. And I found it so satisfying to hear those words because I do. I totally agree. I think we rarely hear that. Um, that's not in our self talk very frequently. No, never. And it's definitely not in our places of work or at home with our children. You know, yeah. we are rarely enough. So it is a. It is. It's one of the best pauses that I've experienced. Yeah. Um, someone saying, "You've done enough for now. It's okay."
0: Yeah, it's been more satisfying than I expected. Absolutely. So I highly recommend it. Yes. Well, that's good. That's enough for now. (laughs) Talk to you guys next week.
1: Hope you're satisfied. (laughs) Oh, wait, no.
0: No, we got a great episode today. We are going to talk about breaking generational cycles.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, We have a concept that I think we came up actually around our finances. We, we learned early on in our marriage um, this idea of changing your family tree, uh, which means, you know, like there are cycles around finances that you kind of – you the way you're raised is how you're going to manage your money. And um, we have applied that to how we parent and some of the cycles that we've seen in ourselves as parents, that we see in our parents. And so um, so we wanted to talk today about encouraging each other to change our family trees.
0: Yeah, and thinking through the why we want to do this, like why is this so important uh, to talk about, um, and why should parents even think or care about this, and we want to talk a little bit about what this is going to take to do, uh, and what we're working on uh, in, in our parenting and in our marriage. And then finally, a few sort of like action items moving forward.
1: Yeah, exactly. So what would you say the why is?
0: Well, I think the why is because we can. (laughs) Uh, And I mean that like Hmm. we have agency and we have power to stop generational brokenness Um, and – that the things that we experience as children or the things that our parents often um, experience as children like don't have to be the experiences of our kids. And so we have an opportunity to break that and to create new positive cycles, um, fully recognizing that we're going to make a lot of mistakes, that our kids are going to be wounded by us, that they're going to need counseling at some point. And I mean that in the sense that we all need counseling <laughs> from our childhoods, right. like... I'm not saying we can have a perfect home, but I am saying that there are certain um, distinct sins or brokenness in my background or my family's background that I can work on and bring light to uh, and maybe not eradicate, but provide a more healthy and uh, helpful environment for our kids so that hopefully they can do that for their kids moving forward as well.
1: Yeah, I think that the point you made about um, recognizing that we will never arrive at a fully formed human being is important. Like, um, we function in the world by the grace of God, and we just operate out of being a busted up human kind, you know? like
0: (laughs) Busted up. I
1: mean, there's like this idea, I think there's this idea that I feel a ton of pressure around that... Somehow I need to fix what's wrong with me so I can arrive at good parenthood or I need to fix the brokenness so that my kids aren't so screwed up. But if if I can take a step back and say, okay, there are some things that are busted up in me and there are some things that are busted up in my mom and her mom and her mom and I can acknowledge those, it gives me energy behind my parenting. to, And, and it gives energy behind like... Me wanting to be a whole person, but also gives me relief saying, I'm never going to be totally whole this side of heaven. Like, right. that's the, that's, that is what it is. And so, anyway, so this just gives me some courage to parent well and to, um, to think, I guess, be more thoughtful about my parenting to start breaking some of those generational cycles so that other ones can be attended to later in later generations. Right that make sense
0: yeah we're not trying to become perfect parents because that is a you'll never feel like that was good that's enough right like fat lie it's a big fat lie in every area of life we cannot become perfect we cannot become fully fulfilled but what we can do is be honest with ourselves be honest in our marriages be honest with our kids we're gonna talk a little bit about that and that that can bring some healing to the brokenness, both the brokenness we've experienced, but also the brokenness that our kids are experiencing.
1: Yeah, and I would even say, and I think we'll get to this in a little bit, like w- when I have acknowledged um, the brokenness in myself, it helps my parents, but it also helps my relationship with my parents. Um, right. to Just sort of help cover some of their brokenness, at yeah. least to name it, bring it into the light.
0: Yep, absolutely. So are there any examples of what you would call generational cycles um in your family yes okay good <laughs> next question <laughs> <laughs> Any do our like, parents
1: are our parents gonna listen to this
0: um i, I love our parents and i do I, too <laughs> and i think they know about all the stuff that we know about so yeah
1: so uh we i think i've talked with most of these things about specifically from my mom's side um because i think she has done hard work with her mom. And so some of this stuff has come out as she's processed. Yeah. Um, but I would say the things that I struggle with or that I've noticed are that I'm really image conscious, um, to a fault. Um, I find usefulness next to godliness. Like yeah. if I am useful, I am holy and I am, I'm good, you know? Um, And a tendency to be self-congratulatory, and it's out of insecurity, but I'm afraid that no one's going to congratulate me or say I did a good job, and my deep desire is to really be seen and to be loved and admired in a way that's really healthy, but it comes out in these wonky, weird ways. So Anyway, so those are mine. Deepest, darkest sins. Now you go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, mine are alliterative, so silence, self-protection.
1: You didn't write these down? And
0: sarcasm.
1: Oh, my gosh. What about the others? Boom. Just because they don't start with S, you're not going to say them? Scared. (laughs) Oh!
0: In my notes, it says worry and fear, but I just dropped a fourth S on you.
1: Nice work. (laughs) Man.
0: Um. So I think there is a track record, if you will, going back um, several generations at least of kind of silence and that silence being born out of self-protection and I feel that in myself Hmm. and I see that in my parenting and I see that playing out because it's been modeled. It plays out in our kids' lives in different ways.
1: So did, can I ask you a really quick question? Sure. Did you know these things before you had kids? Like, did you recognize them before you had children? Um,
0: Yeah. I went through, like, some counseling and some kind of soul-searching in my early 20s -hmm.
1: um,
0: that identified some of these. I think that uh, being a father made, like, it was like a pie in the face. It was like I was holding the pie, (laughs) I could see all the things that oh like yeah that's that's I got to work on that or yeah I can see how I you know do that to protect myself because of my childhood or whatever yeah or how maybe you know I've learned that from other family members but it's definitely in me and then it's like you have a kid and they start doing it and then the pie just gets shot in your face <laughs> and you're like ugh yeah, that it's like stinks
1: flat and you're it's a even, fool you're a fool yeah
0: and I don't even like pie so it makes it doubly bad
1: oh that is too
0: bad. Um. All right, so we've bared our souls. Those are all our problems. Now on no, to... those
1: are not all our problems.
0: <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> yes. They're all ours, but they're not all of ours.
1: Not, yeah, there's a lot more. Don't worry. It'll come out. And...
0: So here's some things, like, I think that's an interesting question of, like, when do you realize these things? Uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't think it's ever too late or too early to be thinking about these things. So if you're listening to this and it's like, oh, I've never really thought about this, but maybe like here is something going on, or that I, somewhere where I am hurt. Like it's never too late to kind of dive into this. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there is kind of a call as parents. Like I think we ought to be. Like it's not it's not an option of like will I go through this or not. Like if our call um, is to raise our kids and to love them well and to prepare them to be adults like we have to dive into these things to help them and to be better parents and to bring again bring these things to the light because I think these things get shoved down and we sort of cover them up Mm -hmm. and so that's maybe a better more honest answer around what your question was which is I had been able to identify a few of those things again because I had gone through this process but they just keep coming to light in newer and deeper ways as we've had kids, as you have helped me identify some of these things or see them play out in both my parenting and in our marriage, mm-hmm. um, and so I do think this is a real team sport. This is uh, you know there's individual work to be done, but there's also really like we do this together because we both can see each other better.
1: Absolutely, man, I totally agree. I think there's like I think it's really I, I think one of the hardest things about parenting. Um, has been that I have had to become more introspective about who I really am because I see it in my kids. You know, I mean, when they're toddlers and they first start talking, they imitate you. And so I remember distinct times when our oldest um, would, like, yell at his baby brother who was, like, two months old. But it was because I talked that way. Like, I heard it and I knew... I had to do something. Like something had to change in how I was talking, and I think the hard part is you. You can easily there are two. I feel like there are two roads in that. Like you can go introspective, and you can um, ask your spouse how they experience you. You can ask your friends how they experience you, um, and have the humility to receive the answers, or you can shove it under the rug and um, and let it be propelled. Um, mm-hmm. And so, and, and not to say that I don't think that every time that happened, I went to you and was like, how did you experience me? <laughs> you know, like, it, it didn't come out in these really tidy mm. ways, but I think, um, I think sometimes I shoved stuff under the rug, and then other times it would be brought to light. Um, but I, I have felt like that is the privilege of the process of parenting, and it's also the hard part of the process of parenting.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think... We've talked about hurt in our lives from our past and whether or not we're, quote-unquote, resigned to it. Like, this is how it's been or this is how it always will be. Yeah. Um, And I think there is a spectrum, and we might bounce around a little bit, and there's no perfect, like, this is the exact spot to be in. But being resigned, like, nothing's ever going to change, and this doesn't really matter. Like, that's defeatism, right? Um, but then also on the other side of being like, oh, I can conquer all this. And this, these relationships can become perfect. Like you were talking about you and your mom and your grandmom, like there's healing going on in those relationships. Um, just as I'm working, on trying to have healing in relationships with my family members and my parents. Um, but we also have to be realistic about like how far that can go because we make mistakes and we hurt our parents and they continue to make mistakes. Right. Yeah. And so there is this middle ground of being like, I'm not going to be cynical, but I'm also not going to be naive, and I'm going to be realistic about, hey, this is real, and it hurts, and I want to engage with my own heart and how I'm feeling about it. I want to engage with you about it and help have you help me sort of process, and then hopefully engage with my family in a way that's helpful. Um, And then also, kind of down the road, be able to kind of help our kids understand this and how we might perpetuate these things in their lives.
1: Yeah, I think that um, what I'm hearing you say is do the work on the front end with yourself so that you do change your family tree, so that you do offer healing on both ends, both to children and with other relationships in your life. but what's important is to do that work. And I think sometimes that can be done in the context of church or family, but I also think that sometimes professional counseling is really necessary. You and I have been to counseling several times over, like either together and we've gone separately, just to work on normal just upsets in our life. Like I wouldn't even say that we went because there was something really traumatic going on, but I want to, what I want to say right now is that going to counseling is a normal thing to do and it is a luxury and if you have the luxury to receive counseling or therapy do it go yeah. it's worth it
0: avail yourself of it and you don't have to have had a extremely traumatic childhood to benefit from it right like we right. all have wait ha- I
1: wasn't supposed to make up a bunch of stuff no,
0: I'm
1: just we all have <laughs> that was <a> big laugh. <laughs>
0: I wasn't gonna say anything. <laughs> Uh, Like we all have hurt in our lives that we need to unpack and process through. We all have patterns in our life that need to get broken, and it can take professional um, guidance to do that, right? Like our spouses can be with us in this, um, but sometimes we need to go outside to someone who is not intimately invested in the relationship, who has professional training, and who can walk us through, like, what's really going on.
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, So with that said... Spouses can be helpful um, if we invite them in um, and if they're very gentle and loving.
0: Yeah, so as we think about, like, kind (laughs) of what are the action steps with this? Because we're talking a lot of like theory, it feels like, and it's a little bit vague, but it's like one of those action steps is husbands and wives should be working together to become better parents and not like, Oh, you're not good at this. Or you yell too much. Right. Like that's okay. not helpful. That's not encouraging. That's not leading each other towards a better you know, marriage and better parenting, but potentially saying like, Hey, I do notice that you yell a lot when this is going on. Can we talk about that? Okay. How can, you know, i be more helpful. How can, you know, what are some strategies potentially to avoid that? Or you, and that's not really an example from our marriage, but, like, you have helped me understand some areas where I let sarcasm become too prevalent, and that is rubbing off on our kids um, and is also probably is injuring them because I'm probably offering sarcasm to them when I should be sincere. Um, Uh And so, like, that's a good discussion to have, and sometimes you get mad at me, but sometimes you lovingly are like, hey, earlier today you were really sarcastic, and I think that's problematic, and yeah. and you maybe owe an apology to our son because you were really sarcastic with him.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things to note is that there are times when I have not done it well, and in the middle of you being sarcastic with one of your sons, I will look at you and be like, well, that was sarcastic. <laughs> you should apologize to him yeah. in front of our son. Layering and-
0: the sarcasm on top of the sarcasm. <laughs> exactly.
1: Not helpful, um, but very also very hard to do and hard to... I think it's hard to remember stuff later to be like, hey, I noticed this uh, happened earlier, and I just – I wanted to give you some constructive feedback. Right. Um, Sometimes I forget or – yeah. Anyway. Yeah,
0: it's hard work to help our spouses – and to like lovingly and un, uh, unselfishly help our spouses become better people.
1: Yeah. It's
0: easy to selfishly try to get them to be better people, like try to get them to do the things we want them to do.
1: In the moment.
0: In the moment. Yeah. Or, or sometimes some of us are very good at manipulation outside the moment, right? Of like making it seem like we're trying to be nice, but really I'm trying to get something out of you, right? Yeah. But the work of actually unselfishly saying, hey, I know you have more in you. And I know you have more to offer our kids, and I want you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take the courage to step out and talk to you about this lovingly and gently. You may not respond well, but over time, maybe we, you know. And also turning around, asking like, "Hey, how can I become a better father?" Right? right? Like, there's some courage to like actually invite you to give me feedback.
1: That is that takes a lot of courage. I mean, I, I mean, I don't even know how to say it. I just think. It's one of the most admirable things that happens, with, I think, with either one of us, when one of us goes to the other and says, hey, I'm really struggling, How, what are your suggestions? Um, and it's also one of the most encouraging things for me to hear you say that because um, it gives me, it, it pushes me to think about what I'm doing as a mother.
0: Yeah. Well, I think um, most husbands... Want to avoid conflict. Maybe many wives do as well. Yes. Um, and most husbands don't want to be blamed um, or to sort of have to, like, th- don't want to feel bad. Like, that's just natural, right? And mm-hmm. so the step of saying, hey, I'm going to invite you to give me feedback or I'm going to invite you to help me become a better father takes a ton of humility, takes mm-hmm. a ton of courage. But... Like, when we have those conversations, which I'm not saying we have those very often, like, that I step into that. But, like, when we're able to give each other that kind of feedback, it is really fruitful, yeah. right? Like, if we can not be defensive and can talk about ways to improve together mm-hmm. lovingly um, and supportively, like, it's hard. Like, yeah. there's no magic bullet to doing that, but it's worth it.
1: Absolutely. I think it bears a lot of fruit. Um and yeah it it um it also gives um like when the spouse come, when like when you come to me and say, "Can you help me understand how how this went wrong or give me advice um it opens me up to also be more gentle and right. loving instead of blaming you for something which I think is probably a more frequent situation
0: Oh, uh, you've never blamed me for anything.
1: I blame you for everything, <laughs> so many things. <laughs>
0: So one other thing uh, going more to the parental relationship is I think that it has been helpful to shine light on sort of the generational cycles I'm fighting with our kids. So saying to them, like, hey, I see this in you, and I am also working on that. Yes. And I am also modeling that for you, and I apologize, and I'm going to help you both through discipline and through encouragement, um, to get better. And I'm also committing to you that I am working on that. So on one end of this spectrum, I love spectrums, uh, <laughs> You know, I could be like, hey, you need to change, but I'm not going to actually do anything, which is totally hypocritical, right? Yeah. Like, or, or not even mention that I have the same problem. The other side is to be like, oh, I'm not going to tell my kid what to do until I've gotten my whole house cleaned. right? Uh, and that's silliness, right? Because I'm never right. going to have my house all, all the way cleaned. That's a metaphor. Our house is spotless right now. Um, nope. <laughs> <laughs> but then in the middle is to say, like, hey, I am working on this. I see. So I, I, um, I think sarcasm I brought up before because I've seen this in our kids and I see this in myself and I hate it. But I've had conversations with our kids around that or just like.
1: It, today I literally had an example where I – was guiding one of our sons because of something that has been a frequent offense, like over and over and over same. I feel like we're having the same conversation and I'm sure this is the nature of parenting. But today I said the same thing and I was like, here's the signal. This is what the signal is. When I see you doing this, this is the signal. And I gave him like a hand signal. And so there was like a, you know, like we're setting up the communication or whatever. And I was like, and I want you to know. And then he finished my sentence. He's like, I know you have the same trouble. And I was (laughs) like, oh, my gosh. Either I've said it too much or it is that obvious that I have the same trouble. And so he asked me, he was like, can I give you the same hand signal? And I was like, oh, fine, yes. But it was this beautiful moment of saying, look, we're in the same boat. I am really struggling to fight this, and you're really struggling to fight this. Let's do this together together. Um, and make up hand signals and and whatnot. But it's good to invite our kids into that fight against ugliness, you know?
0: Well, and it also makes them feel not alone. Like, when we're just disciplining, like, hey, you need to fix this, that's a really lonely place to be. Like, oh, this authority is telling me there's something wrong with me. Right. But when we're like, hey, this is not a good thing, and I also struggle with that not good thing, and we're working towards it together, not necessarily – as equals, like I'm your parents and I'm going to direct you and I have authority to kind of guide you and discipline you, Right. but we are in this together, we're in the same boat in terms of what we struggle with, and I'm hoping to help you get farther than I've been able to get so far, not because I'm a hypocrite, but because I love you and you're getting a head start.
1: Exactly, and I think um, it also does, it does offer some of, it gives weight to your authority to say, hey, listen, I've been dealing with this for 40 years, you've been dealing with it for 10 let me give you some advice. It's probably not going to go away, but here's what I've learned along the way. It gives you – so you still maintain that authority um, and subordinate relationship. Like you're still the parent. They're still the child. But it gives this camaraderie and this wisdom that, th- that kind of toggles between those two things. Yeah. Anyway.
0: No, that's great. Awesome. Did you want to um, talk before we close up about kind of processing this with our adult parents?
1: Gosh, you know, I've had a really good experience with my mom. Um, mom, if you're listening, thank you. I appreciate you. Um, we have some generational cycles that are really obvious in our family. Um, I would prefer not to tell them protection of my grandma and my mom but and myself, let's be honest. But there are some really distinct things that I think we all – all these women see in each other. And my mom and I have um, rubbed up against each other. We've butt heads about this. Um, And we are to a point now where we can sort of laugh about it and I can say, oh, yeah, you're being like grandma or, "Oh gosh, that's such a grandma thing. Or, you know, like it's just – it, it makes it easier to laugh about it, not in, like, um, a mocking of the person, but just as, like, look, we're all in this same boat. Generational sin. We, my 90-year-old grandmother, my 60-year-old mother, and my 40-year-old self, we are all in the same boat, fighting the same fight, and we can laugh about it along the way. And it's this beautiful feeling to feel like I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Um and it's not easy to get there. Like, it's, I've, I do feel like it's taken some work, but um, it is worthwhile and it's really helpful. So, anyway, I think that some counseling helped get <laughs> to that. Just so, again, one last plug one for last that. One last plug for counseling. It, I do find it helpful. All
0: right.
1: All right. Rich. So, with that,
0: um, yeah, well, I was just going to say we'll have some resources and some links in the show notes um, to some of the things we talked about uh, and some thoughts around. Breaking generational cycles um, from some other sources. So, but we uh with that, let's go to the stat of the, week.
1: stat of the week. If you like what you hear and are encouraged by this podcast, please be sure to share your favorite episode with a friend. If you don't like what you hear, just don't tell anyone it was us. Rach. Rach, hey.
0: Um, my stat of the <laughs> week. <laughs> yes. I promised that it would be St. Patrick's Day themed. Yes. About leprechauns because we talked about leprechauns last when,
1: week. When When is St. Patrick's Day again? March fifteenth. Is that right?
0: Uh, that's the Ides of March. Um, I thought it was the fourteenth, but that might just be when I saw um, some event near my office.
1: We apparently don't know our holidays very well. Oh,
0: Tuesday, March 17th.
1: Okay. St. Patrick's Day. Perfect. Um, I'll plan ahead to wear green underwear. That's what I tell everyone. That's I, what, you know.
0: <laughs> Every All year round? Yeah, I got green <laughs> underwear on. No. Um, no. <laughs> I also see a headline here that Ireland is canceling St. Patrick's Day parades over coronavirus fears. That's unfortunate. Oh,
1: man. It's getting
0: crazy out there. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, instead of a single stat, I got four four le- stats. Four leprechaun themed questions for you.
1: Don't you? Do you kind of feel like eating le- Lucky Charms right now?
0: I always <laughs> feel like eating Lucky Charms.
1: <laughs> They're magically delicious.
0: They're so good.
1: I love them. Okay, four leprechaun related stats.
0: Question number one. Ready. Um, if captured by a human. What will a leprechaun give them to gain their freedom back?
1: Gold. Am I right?
0: Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> You're not. They will give three wishes. Really? Yes.
1: If captured by a human, a leprechaun will give three wishes.
0: They will grant three wishes to get their so,
1: freedom. So the sequel to Aladdin will yeah. be?
0: The leprechaun. The leprechaun. It's like a horror movie, Leprechaun, I think. Oh, I don't really? Li- yeah, I don't like horror movies. No. Um, All right. Did you know that originally leprechauns were not described as green or wearing green?
1: What were they? Trolls? Were they described as trolls? No. Oh. It's a color.
0: They don't. (laughs) They wear green. They were a different color. Yes. So. Wait.
1: Hold on. Uh, Were they trolls before? (laughs) Like, uh, (laughs) is a leprechaun a troll?
0: No, the it comes from uh, like some ancient lore, and the term uh, which I cannot pronounce, le <laughs> or something to that effect, <laughs> <again>. or lucrepan, <laughs> depending on which one you are looking at.
1: Okay, um,
0: and the compound of the roots "small" and "body," so they're a small body. Small they're small. Body. They're like three feet tall. Big head. So, um, according to an eighteen thirty one story. About leprechauns. Yes. Called Legends and Stories of Ireland, written by Samuel Lover. What color were leprechauns' clothes?
1: Yellow. Because they got gold
0: at Ah, the end of the rainbow. No.
1: Okay, what color? All the colors of the rainbow.
0: No, it has nothing to do with the rainbow right now. (laughs) Oh, shoot.
1: I Um, mean, this color
0: is in the rainbow.
1: Yeah, Then I don't know. I mean, I know all the colors of the rainbow. Do you? Yeah, (laughs) red. Is that it? Yeah. All right.
0: Look at you. That's so they good. You just
1: start at Roy G. Biv, and you can get to the color of a leprechaun.
0: Yeah, right at the beginning. Yep. So described by Samuel Lover as he wears a red square cut coat richly laced with gold. I guess you we were partially right. Thank you. And the inexpressible of the same cocked hat, shoes, and buckles. Huh. All right. So according to... The Encyclopedia of Fairies, Hobgoblins, Brownies, Bogeys, and Other Supernatural Creatures by Catherine Briggs.
1: I'm curious about your reading habits.
0: What? (laughs) I didn't read that whole book. (laughs) What is the occupation of leprechauns?
1: Oh, now that is a good question. Is Uh, it though? (laughs) I think, for some reason, okay, I'm just associating them with trolls too much. So maybe I should think outside the box. Do
0: trolls have jobs?
1: Well, I think they're beggars.
0: Trolls are? That yeah. might be a job. Leprechauns are not beggars. They have a real job.
1: Are they lawyers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they're all lawyers. <laughs> Lucky lawyers. Lucky lawyers. No, they are shoemakers.
1: Oh, what? somehow I feel like I knew that, you know? But um, I didn't say it. I just knew it in my head didn't want to tell you.
0: Yeah. What? Um. Aren't there other... Like um, elves? Shoemakers? Do elves make shoes? <laughs> yeah. What's the beginning of Elf, right? Yes.
1: Yes. They make shoes.
0: Yeah. Or you can make Keebler elves. Yeah. There you they go.
1: They live in a shoe.
0: What? <laughs> they live in a tree.
1: No, it's shaped like a shoe.
0: It's definitely a tree.
1: I'm Googling it.
0: All right. After do that. the show. Last question. Yeah. And then we got to go. What U.S. city has the nation's only dedicated leprechaun colony?
1: The city that Notre Dame is located in. Nope. Where is Notre Dame? Remind me.
0: Oh, uh, man. I should know that. I'm really south Bend. you don't. It's f- South oh, Bend. Oh, really? Yeah, Mayor Pete.
1: Mayor Pete. Um, um,
0: I will give you a hint. You've been to the city oh, once, uh-huh. and it's weird.
1: Really? And it's the home? Okay. Well, I don't know. I've been to a lot of weird cities. No, and you, I'm afraid you've been that to two weird cities. One of them is Boulder. Oh, yeah, that's weird, yeah. What's
0: the other boulder?
1: Um, New Orleans? Portland, See, okay. Oregon. Okay, so I'm afraid I'm going to offend our listeners.
0: No, Portland is proud of, to be weird. Boulder is proud to be weird.
1: Yeah. New so Orleans, let's call it quirky. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is quirky. So there's a small patch of landscaped land in the middle of the road in Portland, Oregon. No way. And um, yeah, it says something. There's a like it's dedicated as a park to leprechauns for a leprechaun colony. Do you colony.
1: think someone put it there because they thought that they saw the rainbow end there one day?
0: Uh, well, I can tell you what um, this article told me. It says that there is a legend that a reporter wrote a series of columns about the country's only leprechaun colony in 1947. Um, And the reporter spotted one of the leprechauns digging a hole in the spot outside his window and captured it. He used his wish to get a park of his own, (laughs) but the (laughs) leprechaun tricked him and gave him the hole in the ground instead.
1: this is not even.
0: The two-foot-long patch of ground became an official city park in 1976 (laughs) and serves as the epicenter of the town's St. Patrick's Day festivities.
1: Oh, my gosh. Someone was so high.
0: Happy St. Patrick's Day to all of you.
1: Happy St. Pat's.
0: Thanks for working on the farm, Rach. Thank
1: you for working on the farm. That's good. Check ya.
0: That's enough.